Well, welcome and thanks again for being here. Um, just before I get into content this morning, just want to remind you that right after the service is Soup Sunday. So if you're hungry, okay, and, and, and frankly, I can go long enough until you get hungry, if you, if you need that, okay? So, no, everybody's, no, okay, all right. We won't torture that, okay? We'll just, we'll just say that we're going to have Soup Sunday, and uh, all right? But please stay and uh, be a part of a great tradition that we have here at Village Green. A um, number of years ago, I came across a really interesting book, and it's called The Worst Case Scenario Handbook. I don't know if you've ever done it. There's a whole series of books by the worst case scenario in dating, the worst case scenario in like all, all kinds of stuff. But here are some of the chapters. Here are some of the chapters that uh, you might be interested in. It's how to escape from quicksand is one chapter. Okay. Another one is how to fend off a shark. I, I, we're too far north for that one, right? Is that okay? How to wrestle free from an alligator. No? Okay. How about a charging bull? You want to get away from a charging bull? How to land a plane? Jerry could tell us how to land a plane. Okay? We have one person that knows how to do that. Okay? Um, how to survive if your parachute fails to open? Is there a possibility of surviving? Yeah. Okay. All right. How to survive an earthquake? Okay, here's, I let, this is one of my favorite ones, is how to win a sword fight. Okay? Or how to jump from a moving car. Now, I don't know about you. I, 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 it's a fascinating book, right? A lot, of it, a lot of it helps to quell the fears that you would have if you've ever caught in these worst-case scenarios. And the and, and reality is, as, as, as I was reading each one of them, a lot of it was really common sense. It, it, just, it just equipped you in a way to meet the challenge that you're going to meet in a way that was logical and made sense and, and you know, uh, allowed you to put the fear to the side and just deal with the situation as it, as it stands in front of you. And, you know, I remember at the time looking through this book and, and thinking, you know what, the Bible's a lot like that. You know, as we learn how to handle worst-case scenarios in our lives or difficulties in our lives. The, the, the Bible is this masterpiece of helping us understand the world that we live in, the faith that we have, what God intended, how relationships really work, how we are separated from God, like all those big life questions. And I, and I thought to myself, you know, the way this book kind of frames the, the world and how it is that we meet the challenges, the Bible does very much the same. And if you've been a believer for a long time, you know, you know that the more that you trust God, the more that you trust the scriptures, the more that you grow your roots deeper in Christ, it does something to life. It makes life or it frames life in a, in, in a totally different dynamic than what we normally think about life. life. Life becomes far more dynamic. Prayer becomes far more important. Our relationships are framed through, you know, um, our understanding of who we are in Christ and how Christ 
wants us to care and love for other people. It, it just, you know, it's, it's not just worst case scenarios. It's just managing life altogether. And one of the great privileges that we have here at Village Green is to talk about how the Bible helps us to manage life and to manage the difficulties that come along with, with, with life. Because life can be difficult. Can't, can't deny that. But the Bible has a way of framing things through God's eyes for us to understand and be able to meet the challenges of life in a way that nothing else, nothing else can ever do. So, you know, we're, we're into the series of We Are the Church. And, and today we're looking at this whole thing called discipleship. Now, I want to put our, our vision mission grid up on, on the board here. We're in the, we're in the grow category. We've done love God, love others, change the world. We've talked about reaching out. We've talked about becoming a community. But today I want to talk about grow. How do we, how do we grow? You know, how do we, how do we become, you know, deeper disciples? Because that's, that's the main thing that the church is called to do. And here's, here's our explanation of our grow, you know, in this next slide. It's to grow deeper in our relationship with Christ. Remember last week we said the church really has only one message, and that's Jesus. Amen. But we grow deeper in our relationship with Jesus through that message. Okay? We talk about life groups, you know, our, our worship that we've just experienced, you know, through... This, relationships and community. We even talked about thriving children and youth ministry because the children are not the church of tomorrow. The children are church of today, right now, right here. Okay? Now, I love this passage. I'm going to read this passage, and we have this as, a, as, as the main passage for this particular um, vision statement. This is written by the Apostle John who walked with Jesus for the years that he was here. And listen how beautifully he, 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 he writes this. Actually, can you go back one more, James? Sorry, that bottom part. Yeah, and we know that the Son of God has come and he has given us understanding so that we can know the true God. And now we live in fellowship with the true God because we live in fellowship with his Son, Jesus Christ. He is the only true God. And he is eternal life. Isn't that a powerful passage? It's a powerful passage. And John, like many of the other disciples, you know, centered on the message of Jesus and centered in to absolutely, you know, aligning your life with the truth that Jesus taught. We're going to look at at a passage out of Ephesians from the Apostle Paul. And I want you to remember the Apostle Paul, as he writes this, is in prison. And it's striking that many of the letters that he wrote was from the standpoint of being in a prison cell. Now, if you're in a prison cell and you're, and you're suffering and you're languishing in a prison in that day and age, there are a lot of things that could, you know, kind of consume your mind and your thoughts in that moment. But what's striking about the Apostle Paul is that he communicates for the churches that are going to survive beyond him and beyond that day and communicate some really powerful truths that we have held on to for centuries because he knew that what he had to say was so vitally important that he set aside his own 
you know, concerns and his own individual cares in order to communicate truths for the church for all time. And this is, this is vitally important. So we're going to read out of Ephesians 3, verses 12 to 21. And here's what he said. Because of Christ and our faith in him, we can now come boldly and confidently into God's presence. So please don't lose heart because of my trials here. I am suffering for you, so you should feel honored. Okay, <laughs> wow. That his, his suffering is communicating a larger truth. A man who is willing to suffer in jail and suffer the consequences of a culture that did not accept the message at that time openly and yet said, you know, don't you be upset. You should be honored that I'm suffering for you. Okay? Here's, here's what he said. And this is part of a prayer that I believe he wants for all of us right here, right now. So here's the next part of the, of the passage. Paul says, when I think of all this, I fall to my knees and pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand as all God's people should how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. That's a Motown song. (laughs) May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully, then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Listen, passages like that just make personally my heart sore. Absolutely make my heart sore. And here's, here's one of the, I don't know about you, but there's a dyna- dynamic that happens in my life, okay? And I don't know if you've experienced this dynamic, but the older I get, the more I cannot fully fathom the love of God. It is easy for me to understand judgment. It is easy for me to understand like the the negative elements or those things that, you know, as human beings, we can be so, you know, quick to bring to the forefront. That's easy for me to discern. But the older I get, the more the more glorious God's love comes. And I can't fully explain it, understand it, or fully comprehend it. It's just the reality. Because the older I get, the the more wider, deeper, more intense it becomes, the more prevalent it becomes, the more I see it in scripture and 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 all of those all of those things. If you were to ask a person, why do you want to follow religion? Why do you want to be faithful? Paul actually highlights the three things that all of us want out of a vibrant faith, okay? So let me, let me give you those three things. You know, Paul talks about power. We all want power, okay? But notice how he frames power. He frames power 
in the sense of the spirit of God living within us, the very power of God living within us as we're growing deeper in our faith. And I'm not talking about power that you can perform miracles or whatever, that, that kind of power, but it's the way that prayer gets answered. It's the way you touch other people's lives. It's the way that you walk into life in a way that things just, you know, don't, don't hurt you or harm you, okay? You have this, this indwelling of the Spirit of God and a power that is supernatural, absolutely supernatural. And the second thing he talks about is this thing called love. I, you know, and as, as I've just talked about love, it's like how deep is this absolutely abiding love that God has for each and every one of us? It's startling to me that he communicates this agapi that's in, in Greek, this concept of this ever-embracing, unconditional care that God has for his creation. So much so that he knows every hair on your head. Knows every moment, every tear, everything in your life. And there's nothing that you can say to God that make you say you don't care. Because the cross is the greatest demonstration of the love of God that could be demonstrated in any other way. So this whole thing about power and love, and if you ask any person that wants to be religious, those are two things that are going to bound to come up. If I'm going to be a religious person, I want to experience the power of God in my life. I want to experience the love of God in my life. And the third thing he talks about is spiritual fullness. May you be full of spiritual, you know, you could, you could talk about spiritual maturity. You could talk about spiritual aliveness. But if you're going to be a person of faith, these are the things that you want your faith to, you know, have as an experience. And Paul is praying for those that come after and say, may you experience all of this through your faith in Jesus Christ. Don't you want this? Don't you want this? If you have these three things in your life, nothing, nothing, nothing can touch you. Your faith in Jesus gives you these. And Paul's praying that every church would experience this in every way, shape, and form. Look how, look how he ends Look how he ends this uh, particular passage. He says, now, all glory to God. All glory. When we experience this, all glory to God, who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might think, ask, or think. Imagine that the Spirit of God is doing things through you that we can't even comprehend or think or ask. Imagine that. Imagine that. And most of you go, poor little me. Nothing of that weight or magnitude could ever be born out of this body. And yet with the Spirit of God, more than you can ever infinitely hope or imagine that God will do and can do through you. Remember when we did Unlikely Heroes? 
Look how God used people that we would never have imagined being used of anyone. And God used one person to make an infinite difference in so many people's lives. That's the beauty that we have. Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. Isn't that beautiful? I, you know, put that on your refrigerator. Put that where you need it. Put it on your shower every morning when you get up. You know, in the shower. Read that to yourself every morning. You might have to put plastic over it. Um, but here, you know, here's, here's the church's dilemma, though. You know, as we, as we have a group of people here this morning, not every one of us grow the same. The church's dilemma is that we all grow differently. One of you is an academic. One of you is a, you know, uh, I need to be out in the country to experience God. One of you, you know, have to, have to be with the kids, you know, and experience the love of God through the children. So we all grow differently. And that's, a, that's the church's dilemma. This is, this is the thing when it comes to growing people in their faith is not any one of us grow the same way. And it's nearly impossible to develop a one-size-fits-all of how to grow in your faith. So we offer all these different opportunities, all these you know, side doors, front doors, back doors, to be able to grow people in your faith. Okay? That's why life groups are so important, because we get in circles. You get to ask questions. You get to, you get to model things that you don't often you know, get to model when it's you know, you know, straight rows and all that kind of stuff. Okay? But here, here really quickly are five things that God uses to grow you in your faith. Okay, I'm going to do these really quick. I stole these. All right, to be honest, these are from Andy Stanley's book, Deep and Wide. I think they did a marvelous job of telling us how, how you know, God uses certain things in our lives to grow. And these are the five things that God uses. In my experience, that he's dead on for, with every single one. Okay, um, so here are the five. Number one is practical teaching. There's something about learning and, and being practically taught what the Bible says that does a lot for people. Okay? That element has to be there. So practical teaching. Okay? Uh, something that uh, we want to do. Private disciplines. We're talking about private dif- disciplines like prayer, reading your Bible, having devotions, those kinds of things. Those private disciplines are very, very important. Okay? Um, that's, that's number two. Number three is personal ministry. Remember last week we talked about serving? Uh, this, is, this is what it's talking about, that we know, you know, anybody in ministry knows that one way to grow people is to get them serving. That's, that's you know, one of the ways that uh, you get personally involved. Okay? When you're rubbing shoulders with other people and serving in a way and you're proclaiming Jesus that does something to your faith and it grows your faith in a big way. Here's number four. Providential relationships. This is really vitally important. And actually, I, would, I personally would have left this one out, but I was so glad that they, they put this in because the reality is many of us have people in our lives that we're praying for us, you know, grandparents, um, you know, parents, uh, people, neighbors, people that that came alongside at a vital moment in our, in our lives and 
moved us closer to Jesus because of that relationship. So providential relationships are, 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 are really important. And I know in my own life, there's many, many people that had witnessed to me. And when I finally made the decision, I, you know, I've said this, I think I've said this before, but it wasn't a lightning bolt moment for me when I finally came to faith. It was like I heard this click. And, and it was like the last piece of the puzzle fell into place. And God showed me all the people that had witnessed to me for years before I finally made a profession of faith. It was unbelievable. It was like this movie reel that started playing in my mind. And there were, th- there were times and evenings and conversations that I had totally forgotten about. And suddenly they all came to my mind. And it's like, oh, yeah, back in, back in, yeah. And it was about seven times before I actually said, yeah, this Jesus thing is real. But if you had to ask me before I made that jump, if anybody ever witnessed to me, I would have said, nah. I'd like, or, yeah, or vaguely remember it. But I, 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 I can so vividly remember all those times like, like it was on the screen of the TV as, as illuminating and, and real as that. And all those providential relationships just came to the forefront. The last thing, number five, is pivotal circumstances. There are times where, where people are far more open to the gospel because of you know, situations and circumstances in their lives. And a lot of times, you may not know what to say but Jesus does. Spirit of God does. And, and you know, you can look at those, these five sort of in your own life and, and recount them and, and say to yourself, are, are these how, you know, I came to faith? And this is, this is kind of a model how many people come to faith. That, that a lot of people have like all five of these elements when they make the jump to faith. And it's, and it's so important for us to recognize Practical teaching, private disciplines, personal ministry, providential relationships, and pivotal circumstances is how we grow in our faith. Amen? Let's pray together. Father in heaven, growth in Christ is such a a large topic. And as a church, we know that that's our main responsibility is to help people grow in their faith. So Lord, help us every week to be able to model these five in some way so that people are moved maybe one step at a time towards faith in Jesus and growing deeper in Jesus. Lord, it's, it's, it's such a wondrous thing to watch people as they have kind of lights come on suddenly and say, I didn't, I didn't realize that, that Jesus taught about this and what a difference it makes in my life. And as I grow deeper in my understanding, grow deeper in my faith, life, life becomes far more manageable. 
life becomes far more understandable in light of everything that God tells us about it. Lord, there are, there are people here this morning who are struggling, people here who are questioning their faith or doubting that there's so much that the culture around us sort of communicates in a way and makes this whole idea of faith, and especially faith in Jesus Christ, almost silly and irrelevant. And yet, Lord, you, you've expected all of this sort of pushback from people who don't see the reality of what it means to have faith in Jesus. Lord, I pray for someone here this morning who's really struggling, that you would just touch their heart in a, in a very real way this morning. Invite them again to have a deeper walk with you so that they can know you and have the promise of eternity and see life in a brand new way. Lord, we commit these people to you, whoever they are, and we pray that you would indeed touch their hearts however you need to. In Jesus' name, amen.